Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sheila Shoiga, and welcome to Ready to Be Real Conversations, the podcast series where I chat to people of all walks of life. Some names you'll recognise, others you might not, but my hope is that these conversations will at times inspire, challenge, educate, comfort, or simply entertain you. Finding the right health insurance package is important, but with a wide range of plans available on the Irish market, it can be a daunting task when you don't know where to start. That's why I've teamed up with hcc.ie, supported by Irish Life Health. Year on year, people auto-renew their health insurance policies without realising that there may be significant savings to be made. And this is where HCC comes in. HCC.ie compares multiple insurers to help you choose a health insurance plan that's right for you and your pocket. And to get a free health insurance review, simply go to hcc.ie. This week, I recorded a chat with best-selling author and moonologer, Yasmin Boland. I think that this is women remembering that they can reconnect to their innate powers through the moon. And I just, I mean, I'm convinced of that. I've got goosebumps as I say this. I've been Mm. doing it for 25 years. I still get goosebumps. I've been drawn to the moon and all she symbolises for many years now. But instead of recording a solo episode, I thought it'd be far more informative to speak to an expert. A former journalist and TV producer, Yasmin is one of the most respected voices on the spiritual importance of the moon. In this conversation, she talks through the phases of the moon, its historical significance, new moon and full moon rituals, manifesting, and of course, the divine feminine. There was plenty that we didn't get into as Yasmin had a busy schedule and was tight on time, but I really hope it gives you a greater insight into the topic. So when did your interest with the lunar cycle begin? The first time I really, I'd I'd been interested in astrology for a long time, I would say since being a teenager, 
but just to the extent of, you know, reading about it in magazines and maybe watching, reading the odd book or watching, you know, TV shows that came up about it. The first time I really, really remember being interested in moonology, in the moon, uh, would have been probably in the mid-90s. Uh, when I was on, which it just feels like yesterday to me, but now I'm suddenly thinking, hang on, that was 25 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) I was, this is when I really remember it. I was on a trip in um, Tasmania, Australia. So Tasmania is the island state in Australia. Mm. And uh, it's it's an amazing place. And I, I grew up in Tasmania. And I'd been living in London by this stage for a couple of years and I'd gone back to Australia for some time. And a girlfriend of mine from London, Nadine, um, said, okay, uh, I'm coming to Australia. I really want to go to Tasmania and I really want to go with a Tasmanian. So can we go to Tasmania? Hmm. I said, sure, why not? That'd be fun. So we basically got there and rented a car and drove from Hobart, which is the capital of Tassie, up the East Coast, which is beautiful. And what I remember, and I've actually still got the piece of paper, is I was reading a book at that period um, called Moon Signs by Donna Cunningham, uh, who's sadly passed away since. Um, but it was a kind of a seminal book in astrology. And so I was I was absolutely gripped by it. Uh, it makes me think I should go and reread it, actually. I had a really kind of cheap paperback version of it with tiny font and all this. It wasn't that much of a pleasure. I reckon they've uh, redone it since then. Anyway, and I'd read this every day, and Nadine just thought this was hysterical because I was a, you know, coffee-drinking, cigarette-smoking journalist TV producer, mm. and here I was kind of every night. I was doing little drawings of the moon, talking about what sign the moon was in and just thinking about how that had actually compared to what we had experienced that day on our little road trip adventure. And that's kind of like the first time I really, really remember really getting into it and thinking, yeah, no, this is amazing. It um, it really kind of uh, lit something up in me, I think, that was already there. And then not that much later, I, um, I got a book called New Moon Astrology. Actually, it might have been a bit later, I don't know. But I got a book called New Moon Astrology by Jan Spiller, which mm. talked about New Moon wishing. And that, you know, that just lit me up as well and in a, in a way that nothing had lit me up since you know I was about six and I heard about journalism because I've always loved writing and I thought oh my god I'm going to be a journalist and I can ask people questions and I can write about it and it was like oh my god that's my dream job and and I hadn't really felt that and I always felt feel that was me hearing my calling to to write mm. and um and I hadn't really felt that since then I mean I loved being a journalist but journalism was taking a kind of a turn for the worse at that point and uh Anyway, so it all just kind of went from there. And then I started researching about, um, well, I I kind of heard somewhere along the line about how witches had traditionally made their uh, their wishes and spells on the new moon. Hmm. And I'm, I mean, again, I, I don't know if this is all too much information, but basically my family is half from Ireland, actually. My surname, as I'm sure you know, is Irish. My yeah. grandpa was Sidney William Michael Patrick Boland, 
Um, so yeah, I don't think you get much more Irish. No, than that. no, no. <laughs> uh, but on the other side, I'm Maltese, and Maltese is very much the island of the goddess. And obviously, you know, there's a strong Celtic goddess tradition as well. And so I kind of had this goddess thing on both sides of my family. I didn't even know about it. But when I first started to connect with the moon and the new moon wishing and heard about these witches, which I don't really think I'm a witch. Well, I mean, I think I probably am a witch, but I don't kind of identify as a witch necessarily. But uh, when I first heard about the whole witches thing, it really also it awakened something else in me, which was my connection to my femininity and to the goddesses and to the goddess energy that I didn't even know about. I kind of learned about it going, no wonder this is all resonating because mm. the moon is, you know, the goddess goddess is said to be the incarnation of the moon and you know or the moon is the goddess made made real yes um it can work both ways and so you know then i had this whole irish slash maltese thing waking up in me and then i went to india where they do all these full moon ceremonies and that was all like mind-blowing so it was just it was like a, a shift and actually, just for the record, hmm. Sheila, I'll just tell you, because I only really worked it out last week. <laughs> I, I had done a meditation course, which I think really opened me up around this time, just before all this happened. Yeah. And uh, one of the things, I mean, I think meditation opened me up um, and it definitely led me to be open, being open to astrology. Like I said, I was a, I was a cigarette smoking, coffee drinking, mm. you know, hmm. TV producer, like, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. you know what that means. Um, it wasn't like a natural progression by any means. And um, when I did this meditation course, amongst other things, the teacher there said, um, every night before you go to sleep, ask to go to the halls of learning. And uh, allegedly, you know, what happens, you go to the halls of learning and these these sort of masters who watch over humanity will sort of basically put information in your brain or something, I don't know, transmit, you know, light codes that will help you to, uh, I don't know, whatever, mm. become a more less of a TV producer and more of an astrologer in yeah, my yeah. case. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and I did that probably every night for two or three years and I had completely forgotten about that until actually this weekend just gone uh, where I was talking to my friend Kyle Gray who's really big into angels and, and all this kind of stuff and he um, sent me a copy of his new book which isn't out yet, comes out in April and in it he mentions the halls of learning and says, you know, you can go there in your sleep and I was like, oh my God, I completely forgot I did that and I did it for like two, I probably did it for two years at least and I was thinking maybe that's what happened to me because it was kind of inexplicable what happened to me. I just literally transformed from one person to another my whole life changed yeah um and i came out you know i mean and and the whole thing with the moon and the, and which is so like in astrology the moon represents the goddess it represents the divine feminine represents women it represents breasts and breastfeeding and mm. motherhood and and it just like everything just fell into place so there is a potted history of how i got into the moon which i hope isn't too much information not at all i loved it i loved it and you know what there will be someone listening now who is maybe tapping into that and starting to awaken something like yeah. what you went through in the 90s they could be perhaps there yeah. now and that's what's drawn them to listen to this conversation yeah. you know what there'll be people listening as well who already have an interest which which as you know i've, I've told you i do i've had for years i wouldn't have a, a fraction of the knowledge expertise wisdom that you have but I'm certainly I'm certainly into it. And when you tapped into it there, I'd love to talk about the significance of the moon in terms of historically what, what you know, how 
how it was respected and how it's changed and where we're at with it today. First thing I would say is I think the moon is back for a long time. Mm. Uh, and I think it's part of the divine feminine re-emerging, which, you know, um, people have been talking about since around about the time that I started on this path, actually, probably a couple of years in, uh, people started talking about this thing called harmonic concordance, which if you want to read about it, just look it up, harmonic concordance. Mm. And it was it was essentially um, quite a rare uh, alignment of energies and stars and and. It was a big thing at the time and I just kind of got swept up in that. It was when I was starting to learn how to meditate and I was starting to get into astrology and uh, and I remember and I was very lucky because um, I was living at, in Bondi Beach at the time, which is some people will know it. It's in Sydney. It's mm. a really, really cool place, um, a beach just out of the city and it's got a really cosmic vibe and they had this thing called Bondi Beach Radio where you know they just had local people getting on there and doing radio shows and I kind of put my hand up and said hey there's this thing called harmonic concordance coming up um can I do a radio show then and they said yes for no reason like I was literally just another Bondi person on the beach but they go yeah why not and um and I always think that was a bit cosmic as well because I ended up doing it live, I think, at the time of the actual alignment and uh, and taking calls and meditating and so on. And, and there was something in it. And then there was the full moon eclipse of 1999, uh, which was also said at the time to be about the reemergence of the divine feminine. And mm. I was, again, just sort of, you know, three or four or five years into my um, astrology journey. And I paid a lot of attention to it, but it was all very theoretical at the time. It was like, oh, yeah, it's the reemergence of the divine feminine. What does that even mean? Mm. Um, but now, 25 years later which I can't believe it's 25 years ago that I was that young kid in the radio station. Mm -hmm. um, 25 years later, it's all starting to make sense. And so um, the, the, fem the feminine is on the rise. And, you know, I know that you can feel that. I know that you can. I just know that intuitively that you're feeling that mm -hmm. and I'm feeling that. And I think women everywhere are just feeling that women are coming back and there's something happening and there's something changing and even the men are changing and we're all kind of like trying to find a rebalance. And it comes from, I mean, you know, I mean, cave markings in France going back 26,000 years have been found, okay, 26,000 years, uh, where they were marking the lunar cycle, which is basically the interplay of the sun and the moon. Mm. And obviously they did that back then because um, they needed to know, I suppose, when the moon was going to be full so they could actually see what they were doing at night. Uh, and also because it helped them make sense of the world, their world, which obviously 26,000 years ago was quite a different world to the world we've got now. And that is 26,000 years ago. I mean, like, get your head around that. Yeah. And uh, and also because they probably were starting to work about out about the seasons and, you know, when the, all this sort of stuff was being worked out 26,000 sure. years ago. Um, now... Regarding astrology, you know, I mean, if you if you kind of look back, I was having a really interesting chat this weekend with a man called Chris Brennan, and we were looking at an aspect of the lunar cycle called the void, of course, moon, and he was kind of looking at, um, I mean, basically, we were looking 2,000 years ago, and the moon was being considered then. And really, I mean, I'm sure if, I, I really come from an astrological point of view, I'm sure if I were an anthropologist, I'd be able to tell you about 
Mayan moon rites and at Machu Picchu and yes, all that. I get but you. that's not my thing. Mm. I'm an astrologer. Mm. And so I can tell you that people have been working with the moon from an astrological point of view for at least 2,000, you know, longer, um, 2,000 plus years. Um, and women in particular, I believe, were drawn to working with the moon, which makes complete sense because in astrology, the sun is... Um, the masculine, it's the yang, Y-N-G, mm. Y-A-N-G, and the moon is yin, Y-I-N, which is soft and dark, okay? Mm. So when you have the sun and the moon, which is basically how we get the new moon and the full moon because the sun and the moon, the new moon and the full moon come from the interplay of the sun and the moon and the light and the shadows and the angles and all that. Um, and so, again, what's really quite interesting, just to just something like a little nugget to think about is that, you know, when I was talking about the 2,000 years of the void, of course, moon with, with Chris the other day, mm. uh, you know, we were talking about all these very famous male astrologers who are out there, you know, doing all their calculations. And all the most of the court astrologers were male. You know, the, the men who, the, book, the astrologers who were writing books 1,500 years ago or 1,000 years ago or 500 years ago, they were mostly men, basically. Mm. Um, but if you go back... In time, you know, there's pretty good evidence to say that the before the patriarchy was the matriarchy. Yes. And then, so then we went into the patriarchy. And then uh, about 500 years ago, sorry, I know I'm jumping all over the place, but it's just... No, it's I'm with just, you, yeah, absolutely. Okay. About 500 years ago, um, you know, if you worked with the moon, which was what women did, that so the men were out, the men, male astrologers were in the courts and, you know, running businesses because we were in the patriarchal times and uh you know um paying getting paying clients to do horary charts and things like that which is a chart cast at the moment the questions asked and understood mm. um whereas the women were at home you know barefoot and pregnant and making tinctures and potions in line with the moon and with venus which is the planet of the goddess and the moon is you know the kind of the goddess as well so or is the goddess as well so what happened 500 years ago, suddenly the tables were turned, maybe because, you know, the, the men, and I'm very sorry, I know you've got a, a, a male producer <laughs> in the room. <laughs> Hi, Shane. Um, but, you know, the tables were turned on the women and suddenly working with the moon became an offence punishable by death. Yeah. And uh, they started to basically burn us alive, tied to a stake in the village square, for our troubles um, mm. or drown us or hang us. And, you know, there are wildly varying estimations or estimates of um, how many women were burned alive at the stake or hanged or drowned for being a so-called witch. Um, but, you know, the highest estimates reach into the millions. Okay. So, again, mm. let that sink in for a mm. second. Mm. Um, so what happened? Oh, well, obviously we all stopped doing it because, you know, like, you know, it, you know, it just became an illegal activity and you no one's going to do it and suddenly they're at home cooking dinner and the local police constabulary or whatever they were, the witch police burst into your house and, you know, grab the mother and take her kicking and screaming, um, you know, to be tried and killed. Mm. Um, so obviously we stopped doing it and we stopped teaching our children how to do it and, you know, it had been something that women had passed on to their children, in particular mother to daughter, and it just went dead because, um, or in fact, what it did do is it went underground, but only the really bravest women would have done that. And so it kind of 
you know, fizzled along underground for some time, for about 500 years. And then that's why it's so interesting with the whole thing about being told about the reemergence of the divine feminine 25 years ago and, uh, and, and, and me just thinking, well, I don't know what this means, but it feels right to me on some level and I'm just going with it. And I started increasing my studies into goddesses and um, increasing my connection to goddesses and to the moon. And now, you know, like when we had the whole Me Too movement, mm. uh, which all sprang up, you know, that's a part of it. Yeah. And that's why I believe I don't like, I don't think the moon is just here for five minutes. I don't think this is a little fad. Um, I think that this is women remembering that they can reconnect to their innate powers through the moon. And I just, I mean, I'm convinced of that. I've got goosebumps as I say this, I've been mm. doing it for 25 years. I still get goosebumps. Um, I feel that, you know, women were cut off from this 500 years ago on, you know, threat of death. Mm. And uh, and that was completely, you know, immoral in every sense, um, quite apart from the idea of burning women at the stake. But, you know, it's just beyond comprehension. Yes. Um, but but it's all coming back. And it's always been there, like I said. And there have been people like Starhawk, for example, who you should get on your podcast, mm. uh, you know, who's so learned and... Um, who've kind of kept the light and passed the light on to the next generation when, you know, we were all kind of old enough to, to take it up. And, you know, and what I'm trying to do, and, you know, I'm doing it from an astrological point of view, is I'm trying to help women reconnect with this power which was taken away from us. And I believe the time is right because I believe that the divine feminine is re-emerging. So there you are. That's my theory. <laughs> Wonderful. Wind me up and I'll talk forever. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> I absolutely love it. So let's talk about moonology. I'm I, Look, as you know, I admire you and the work that you do. My diary for 2021 is yours. It's the moonology one. Um, so I'd love to talk about the phases of the moon. Um, there are eight main phases, but I know you speak of nine. And I'd, I'd love for you to go through them. Now, for some people who are maybe dipping their toe into moon energy I suppose the the big hitters are the new moon and the full moon but there are other phases to maybe be aware of if they're not necessarily something that you're you're hearing uh, a lot of maybe you're hearing about it for the first time but um it's it's good to be aware so can you go through them with us please I can I've got my book here actually so I can give you all the keywords from the book as well so okay let's first start talking about um the fact of the eight main phases versus the ninth phase so the eight main phases of the moon are something that were more or less uh first um i believe delineated by um a danish i think he was danish i think he was danish and he lived in france um man dane rudyard and uh, and he did a lot of amazing work. So we're all basically standing on his shoulders talking about the phases of the moon. And he talked about the eight main astrological phases, which, as you say, the kind of the, the high points were the new moon and the full moon. Then you had the, the quarter moons, which is like the, the midway point between the new moon and the full moon. You get the first quarter and then you get the third quarter between the full moon and the new moon. And then between those points, if you imagine a circle, first of all, cut into two, which is the new moon and the full moon at one end and the other. Then you put the quarter cross sort of thing. You get the quarter moons and then you add um, two more um, two more bits in, two more lines, say, in your in your 
slashing up of this circle and you get um, the waxing crescent moon, the gibbous moon, the disseminating moon and the balsamic moon. Mm. Um, and I'll just say them in order for people. So it goes new moon, crescent moon, first quarter moon, gibbous moon, full moon, disseminating moon, last quarter moon or third quarter moon, balsamic moon. So they're the eight main phases. And uh, I mean, basically, they take you on a journey from, you know, time to plant the seed, time to go for it, some kind of crisis arises. Uh, gibbous means bulging. So it's like when everything feels fit to burst, the new the full moon is like the explosion at the end of the uh, at the end of the waxing cycle we move into the waning cycle get the disseminating moon which is about sharing knowledge the last quarter moon which is about clearing away any residual junk then you get the balsamic moon which is all about healing and soothing but then in kind of i mean i say witchy traditions mm. and maybe i don't mean to be offensive that might be offensive to some people i don't mean it to be offensive whatsoever uh but in kind of you know those sorts of circles there's a lot of um, emphasis on the dark of the moon or the dark moon yeah. And uh, so that is actually kind of like a phase within a phase. And it's the the end of the balsamic phase, which is just before the new moon. And um, I feel so, it. I feel it every month. I really yeah. sense it. Yeah. Right. So basically what you do is at new moon, it's kind of all new and fresh and you send yeah. out your wishes and you mm. set our intentions and we work through the waxing cycle. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states united healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage for you learn more at uh1.com quality sleep is essential that's why the sleep number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com we work on everything then we get the full moon which is like the peak period and then it's all about letting go in the waning cycle from full to new moon and the dark of the moon is the end of the end of the end yeah. so it's like when everything just dries up and um you know i always use the analogy of a dry leaf mm. and you can just crush it in your hands and it just turns to powder and it's sort of like that i mean it's a really intense period let's yeah. let's zone in now on new moon and full moon because um, it's something that whenever and I don't talk about it too often but whenever I have shared it on Instagram myself I get a lot of questions oh what's this about what are you doing at the full moon um, and I'd love you to kind of talk through a how to 
go about, uh, you know, ritual ceremonies, whatever you want to call it. Can you talk through um, what you would recommend people do? Okay, with pleasure. So um, the new moon is basically the time to plant the seeds for whatever it is you want to create in your life. So I always use the analogy of, you know, um, I think after lockdown, many more of us know about planting seeds because we all became gardeners, didn't we? Or many of us did. I certainly Mm. I didn't. I was can't say I discovered a green thumb because my plants were in miss. <laughs> but basically, when you plant a seed, you know you have the soil. You make the soil ready, which is what you're doing at the time of the balsamic moon and the dark moon by releasing all your, you know, all your crud. And you make the soil ready, and then what do you do? You you poke your finger in the soil and you put your little seed in, and then you cover it up. And so the seed is in there under the soil in the dark. And that's kind of what we're doing at the time of the new moon. With the new moon, you can't actually see the moon. And uh, and you plant your seeds. So what I do, um, it, I mean, I'm just tapping into what women have always done, you know, mm. what we did until we weren't allowed to do it and now we're allowed to do it again, which is making, setting intentions and making wishes and sending out uh, desires in the form of, um, you know, whether you want to do an incantation or you want to do a spell or you want to do a wish or you want to ask the angels or you want to ask the goddess or you do whatever appeals to you. But the idea is to come to the point where you become, you get some clarity about what you want and you are, you know, clear enough to uh, on this to actually, you know, write. I, I always say write things down because I, I'm just, I find that really useful. I'm a writer, so it makes mm. sense. But write them down because then you've got proof. I told you I'm an ex-journalist and an ex-TV producer. We like our proof. Mm. So you write things down and, uh, and and you set your intentions. And I do that. And I do Facebook Lives every new moon and every full moon um, for free on my Facebook page. Um and so, you know, we just write them down and you've got my diary so you can write them in the diary, which is great because yeah. it means that you can refer back to them. And then you kind of need to follow up throughout the month and think, okay, these are my wishes. How am I going towards them? And, uh, you know, um, next year actually what we're doing with the diary is we've changed it a little bit. We, we're kind of changing it so you have what we call one big, hairy, audacious goal uh, I think we took the word hairy out, actually. <laughs> that's, that's kind of a well-known corporate thing, one big, hairy, audacious yeah, yeah, yeah. goal, uh, B-H-A-G. And, um, and, and then what are you going to do towards that? You know, Because if you're, if you're wanting to, I don't know, get pregnant, then you might say, you know, to, so to do this, I will have sex every second day with my partner. I will, you know, take maca powder or whatever you believe is going to work for you. Mm. And I will, you know, walk three times a week so that I know my body's as healthy as it can be or four times a week or whatever. Mm. So it's like, what, this is my big audacious goal. And here are the three steps I'm taking towards them. And, um, and, and basically you take what we call inspired action. Um, and you just keep putting out to the universe. I always say to people, when you make new moon intentions, set your new moon intentions, turn them into an affirmation that you can believe in because, you know, then you've got something to keep coming back to. Am I saying my affirmation every day? Am I believing it? Am I visualizing it? There's such a lot of power in creative visualization. And, um, and you know you basically do that and then after and then two weeks later we get the full moon and by that stage you know i always say make choose baby steps go for baby steps um if you can uh you know if you want a new job 
Um, you know, it may not manifest in the first two weeks, but it will, you know, maybe you'll get signs. Maybe you'll you'll find out that your friend knows someone who works at the company that you want to work at. So you've got a lead or, you know, if you want to, you know, you just have to watch out for signs that it's that it's coming, that it's developing. And um, and then uh, at the full moon, whatever hasn't manifested, um, you know, be grateful for any small signs you've got or anything that's actually manifested and then offer it all up to the divine, to the, to the goddess and say, okay, you know, I've done my thing. I've let you know what I want. Now I'm offering it all up to you. So that's what I'll be doing on my full moon ceremony. Basically, we do full moon forgiveness because forgiveness helps us to unblock ourselves energetically if there's anything blocking us energetically from manifesting and surrendering it all to the goddess and uh, and then ho hopefully using the next two weeks to just release and you know that's basically the long and the short of the moonology practice mm. and you know it changes people's lives I like how you simplified it there for people as well, because I think what I've been getting is people asking, oh, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I have the right setup. Uh, you know, do I have this? Do I have that? Because they can be feeling like they're 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 just they're not there yet if they don't have the sage burning or the candles or whatever it is. And obviously, you know, all these things, whether you want to bring them in or not, whether they resonate for you or not, can can help, I suppose, set up the mood and and music and whatever it is certainly helps helps me personally but as you said sometimes it's as simple as a pen and a piece of paper and having the intention so setting your your intention for the new moon moon and then letting go um and being conscious of what you're releasing and i suppose for, as you said forgiveness being being the key ingredient in in your full moon ritual um because i think sometimes people get a little bit muddled up going do i need to be setting my intention at the full moon as well but i suppose simplifying it and just releasing at that point and concentrating and whatever that works for you. I know that you're big into chant as I am. Um, so it's, it's, it's finding what works for you as, as, as an individual. Yeah, because, you know, I mean, this is the thing. We all get hung up on this and, um, you know, it's a bit like, oh, I can't cook this recipe if I don't have that ingredient. But it's really just, I mean, I, I, will, I use all those, say, props when I do my uh, full moon ceremonies. Like when I do my full moon on Facebook this week, if the weather permits, I will go outside into my garden and I will do a fire ceremony because that's what I learned in India mm. and it will help. And I will use incense to call in the angels and I'll put ghee on the fire because that feeds the angels and all that. And I'll have a bell because that raises the vibrations and all that. But it's it's ritual isn't um, as my teacher in India says, ritual is not something you do for the divine. You do it for yourself. Yes. And, you know, I develop rituals. Oh, why? I don't even know why I didn't even start with rituals. And I think I developed them from going to India and you know, it just grounds the whole thing. It just gives you kind of something to do while you do your kind of magic. And, um, but you don't need it, but it kind of makes it more powerful in a way. But, you know, like if you don't have the sage, like literally don't worry about it, or you don't have a bell, don't worry about it, you know, just do it from the heart. Because, you know, if you do it from the heart, it's more powerful than any sages or bells yes. or fires or anything. Um, the ritual is really a way almost to demarcate, right, now I am doing my new moon intentions or mm. now I'm doing my full moon release work. And it's a way of kind it's like a, it's like a traditional way to just, uh, to just 
you know, tune in. But, you know, as I said, by all means, join me on Facebook and we'll do it together. And, you know, do it at home. Like I have women all over the world who are doing moon circles with their their people and they all do them together. And it's amazing because, you know, women all over the world are starting to do this. And that's, you know, that's obviously just magical. And that sense of tribe connection that you get as well, knowing you're doing it together. It, it, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really powerful. Um, you've already touched on it. Yeah, but... and, and, you know, my husband and son are, uh, my husband and son are in the kitchen and the living room and they kind of poke their heads out. Sometimes I kind of, you know, insist my son comes and chants with me or something. But, you know, it's just, I mean, like it can just become part of your life and it's not a big thing. It's like I'm just going to take a time to connect with the divine feminine and the divine and, you know, it's just a beautiful thing to do. So you've already touched on manifesting because you've spoken about the power of affirmations and, and setting your intention and visualizing it and, and the, the power of repetition. But it's a term, again, a lot of people are hearing about perhaps for the first time. Um, what is this manifesting thing about? What does that actually mean and how can I actually do it? Manifesting, it's very interesting, actually, because, you know, now we talk about I'm a manifester, I'm a powerful manifester, I'm a deliberate manifester. Uh, I'm pretty sure the word manifester is not even in the dictionary at this okay. point. Um, <laughs> we purloined this word. You yeah. can also call it conscious creation. Some mm-hmm. people prefer that. I I'm. I always, I like conscious creation, but the word manifesting goes so nicely with the moon. I tend to refer to moon manifesting. Mm. Uh, It's basically about the fact that we are all here uh, to create and, um, you know, whether we're creating babies or we're creating art or we're creating cathedrals or whatever we're creating, basically man and woman is here to create. And, uh, you know, I was lucky enough to get to know um, an American spiritual teacher called Sonia Choquette quite well um, at one point. I haven't seen her, obviously, for a while because of the pandemic and she lives in Paris. Um, but she and I swapped. I did a reading for her. She did a reading for me. And, and in it, she said, um, Yasmin, the earth is a school of manifestation and we uh, manifest through our feelings. And that's why the moon is the perfect conduit for um, or conduit for um manifesting so basically the idea is that we are all actually manifesting or creating 24 7 Mm. so if you and and my dad was a psychiatrist okay he passed away unfortunately um about 12 years ago and he was the most wonderful man Uh, he was also the most scientific guy um he'd studied medicine and majored in psychology and been a a psychiatry rather and been a psychiatrist for i don't know how many years 30 40 years Mm. and um he was, you know, very practical, very practical guy. And so when I started talking about, oh, my God, meditation's changing my life and, oh, my God, all these theories, he literally thought I'd joined a cult for, okay. for a start yeah. and wondered, you know, what was going to become of me, his daughter, because I was obviously losing the plot. Um, anyway, so eventually at one point we talked about manifesting and I said, well, the thing is, you know, I because I'd been testing it for a few years by then and I wanted to talk to him about it. And... Um, and I said, you know, the, it's basically that what you think is what you get. Um, you know, that's what happens with manifesting. And you can either do it consciously or you can do it unconsciously. And he said, okay, well, actually, that makes sense. Because from a psychiatric point of view, and he, he was what's called a cognitive behavioral psychologist. I think he did cognitive behavioral yes, yeah. psychiatry. Psychiatry, sorry. I don't know why I keep calling it psychologist. I never do that. <laughs> um, anyway, so CBT, it's called. Mm. And... Um, 
And he said, because in, you know, in what I do, he said, the first thing I do when people come and see me, a new patient, is I, I, I do this sort of quiz thing, test paper thing that they have to fill out about their belief systems because I need to understand their belief systems because what you believe to be true is true for you and I said well there you go there's a kind of a meeting of the two things um, and that's basically what manifesting is it's what you believe to be true is true for you so to use my dad's example he said for example if you think oh my god I always make a fool of myself in front of whoever, mm. then chances are you will always make a fool of yourself in front of that person because it becomes what you know I would call a self-fulfilling prophecy. He would call it a belief system or whatever. Or he said, imagine the difference between someone who breaks up from their partner and thinks, oh, my God, it's the end of my life. That's it. I'm too old. I'm never going to meet anyone else. It's all finished. You know, I might as well just curl up with my cardigan and my cat versus someone who breaks up with someone and goes, oh, you know, this is the start of the rest of my life. I don't know what's coming next, but I feel so excited about it. He said, of course, they're going to have very different experiences. Yeah. And in a way, that completely crosses over with what I'm talking about in manifesting, which is can you believe that you can make your dreams come true? Do you believe you're worthy of your dreams? Do you have enough self-belief? Self-doubt is the biggest blocker to manifesting. So if you want to manifest a spiritual teacher, um, you know, you need to put it out there. And if you think I'm not worthy, I'm such a bad person, nobody knows how bad I really am, um, and if they knew they'd be horrified, then chances are you're not going to manifest that spiritual teacher as quickly as you'd like to. But if you think, you know what, I'm doing my best, I'm on the right path, I pick myself up when I fall down and I really, really want to learn more and I think I'm going to make really good use of the information, you're much more likely to then be able to manifest someone who's going to come to you and vibe with your energy and go, you know what, yeah, um, I would like to help you on your spiritual path. And, you know, the thing I've used the, the, the case of spiritual teacher because it's kind of the one that's really acceptable to people. But, in fact, you can manifest anything. You can manifest, a, you know, a new house or a new car or a new job or you know, whatever you want. It, the earth is a school of manifestation, which, as I said, Sonia Choquette taught me, but I now see it completely. Mm. It is. We are here to create. And it doesn't matter what you're manifesting, as long as it's not doing anyone any harm. You can manifest whatever you like. And the thing is, a lot of people, for a start, their back will go up when they hear that and they think, well, what, manifesting a car? What's this? What's, you know, that's not very spiritual. And that's fine. If you don't want to be someone who manifests yourself a, you know, a convertible Mercedes, you don't have to. You can <laughs> manifest yourself whatever you want, a garden that grows beautiful plants or, you know, the aforementioned spiritual teacher but the, the point is that we are here to manifest and you know the idea is that you might as well manifest uh consciously because you're manifesting anyway so at least if you start to do moonology practices you can start to manifest a little bit more mindfully and um for any australians of a certain age who are listening uh you know i i once did an interview uh, i used to be a semi-regular on a show called um carrie-ann kennelly in australia she did a show i think it was called mornings with carrie-ann and she was kind of a household name hmm. or she was a household name and she probably still is and um and i remember the first time i went on her show and talking about all this and she said to me, oh, well, that's very interesting, Yasmin, because she didn't really believe in astrology. She was just having me on because she knew the, the, 
the readers, the viewers would enjoy it, I think. Um, but she said, that's actually very interesting, Yasmin, because the thing is, even if you don't believe in astrology, you know, to sit down once a month and make a list of your intentions and your plans and your goals for, and your ambitions for the coming month is a really, really powerful process. I'm mm. like, yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter if you don't believe in astrology. At least sit down and do your goals because as soon as you do that, then you're going to start to modify your behavior because you're now more conscious of what it is you want to achieve. So if you say my goal is to lose, you know, three stone, then, you know, you're going to have, you, you start to become mindful of the fact that, okay, well, um, you know, if I want to lose three stone, I probably shouldn't eat this box of chocolates in front of me or whatever mm. you know it, it, it all just so it kind of taps into the magic that we have if you want it to but it can still work even if you just don't believe in anything and you just understand the power of making a list a to-do list you know it can be that basic and you know with that we can change the world <laughs> and it is really interesting when you say that that it's happening anyway so basically yeah. you can get on board with it and and become aware and be conscious yeah. within it are yeah. allow your 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 unconscious or your subconscious mind to do the work anyway because it is happening and you know the reason why we do the affirmations which are only a really small part of it but they are one one part of it is because if you if you say the affirmations and you can imagine it or believe it we do the affirmations then we kind of imagine with them and it's about imagining that reality so just say you want to be pregnant, you would want to spend time, you know, imagining yourself, you know, with a really big belly of, with the baby inside or imagining yourself with your partner. Um, I don't know why I keep coming back to the pregnancy analogy. Maybe, <laughs> maybe mm. there are going to be people listening who want that. But, mm. you know, like imagining yourself with your partner, with his or her arm around you and the baby in your arms having been safely delivered or imagining yourself, you know, down at the beach, um, you know, with your kid and going for a swim in the shallows or whatever. And you start to do things like that because if you can start to believe those imaginings, you'll start to create them. And so one thing I really, you know, try and emphasize to people is this is not like click your fingers, abracadabra, and your whole life has changed. It's I think it's a process of bending reality and uh, bending your reality. And so that's why, you know, if you're a parent and you're listening to this, I implore you, teach your kids to be as confident in themselves as they can. Give them as much love as you can. And it's not about saying, oh, you're amazing, you're amazing, you're amazing when they're trashing the living room. Mm. But it's about recognising, you know, seeing them what abraham hicks abraham hicks yes. was some of the pioneers about uh, for manifesting mm. and what they always say is see your children as perfect because they see themselves through your eyes and it's so important like because if you grow up being told i mean to me it's almost impossible to believe this because i grew up with a very uh, switched on mum and dad you know my dad was a psychiatrist and my mum studied psychology so they at least understood the basics of you know not ho being horrible to a kid as as she my, she and my, me and my sister grew up, yeah. um, my sister and I grew up, but, um, you know, it, it's about making them feel confident. And, 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 and there are parents out there who say things like, you're, you know, you're rubbish, you'll never get anywhere, you'll never amount to anything, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, that is basically what you have to then work through. And I think one of the reasons why I've ended up being the person talking, and I'm talking for longer than I even said I would, but anyway, I hope I haven't talked too long. But um, I ended up being one of the people out there talking about this is because I didn't have that layer 
of SHIT to work through, really. Mm. I mean, of course I had things. You know, I was kind of bullied a bit when I was a kid at one point by someone at school. And there have been things that I've had to work through. I had a very, very toxic relationship when I was in my 20s, uh, which nearly broke me in half, and I had to work through that. But basically we just need to work through all our self-doubt and that's when we come out to the other side. And so that's part of the process with moonology as well. It's not just about make your wishes and bang, they come true. It's also about letting go. And I'll just say, because this is going out on Friday, I'm actually doing a free moonology manifesting challenge from March the 7th to the 14th. Um, where I'm going to help people. We're going to pick up at the third quarter moon and we're going to work through the end of the waning cycle through the dark moon, which you'll like, and then make new moon wishes together. So anybody who wants to uh, to join in, can I give the URL for that? Please, for yeah, to be absolutely. A part of it? We've already had, like, we've got about, we've got literally thousands and thousands and thousands mm. of people already, but um, it's free. Uh, it's um, moonmessages.com forward slash MMC for Moonology Manifesting Challenge. So it's moonmessages.com forward slash MMC, and you can sign up. It's free. And, uh, yeah, so it's going to be great. And, you know, it's basically taking into the account that, it, you know, People reduce it to, oh, make your new moon wishes. But it's more than that. You have to change your belief about yourself and your worthiness to, you know, achieve whatever it is that you, the goals that you set for yourself. Now, something else we were going to get into, but I know time is precious and we've already <laughs> chatted for so long, was Mercury retrograde. So we might just park it and it's something I probably will re revisit. Yes, in the we'll podcast. do it another time when Mercury is retrograde. Time. Yeah, <laughs> thank God. We got <laughs> through the first one <laughs> of this year. Uh, last thing, though. What should we watch out for in terms of moon activity this year? Any kind of biggies that we should prepare ourselves for? Really the big, big story for 2021 is a series of rolling Saturn-Uranus squares, which are basically about breaking through the old paradigm to the new world, um, you know, which hopefully we're going to create. And we're probably not going to be let out of confinement until we start to actually, you know, get it mm. so it's really a year of awakening but it, it may not be easy next year is much easier okay hallelujah yay <laughs> <laughs> we need a bit of that Yasmin I've loved this conversation thank you for being so giving with your time and your wisdom I really appreciate it well thank you very much and for more on Yasmin simply go to her website yasminboland.com this episode of Ready to Be Real Conversations was brought to you in partnership with HCC.ie and supported by Irish Life Health. HCC.ie's experts can help you find a health insurance plan that suits your needs and your budget. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 